Imagine this. It's the 1920s. The First World War has ended, and with it, peace and prosperity have returned to the rest of the world. Major factories and suppliers prospered very greatly, and in doing so, had huge profits. The economic boom gave way to nightclubs, jazz clubs, and cocktails were the offers within the big cities. Life for the aristocrats and welfare classes couldn't be better. It was swell. But I'm getting carried away. Because you see, this story is about a man. A man who would find a book that would change his life and all those around him forever. This man was Samuel Shenton. Popping off after an idea they conceived, claimed to invent an airship that would rise to the atmosphere and remain stationary until the Earth spun westwards, would seek to investigate as to why nobody had an idea like it. Where his fate would have it, lead him to the British Library of Bloomsburg. Within it, he met Archbishop Charles Isaac Stevens, a prominent friend of Lady Blunt, the founder of the Universal Society. As luck would also happen, Archbishop Stevens said he came up with a similar idea of his own, which would then introduce Shenton to the book that would change his life forever. Parallax's Synthetic Astronomy. Or flipping through his pages, he was instantly enlightened. Finding the text quite invigorating, he exclaimed, What the authorities were concealing all along, was the fact that the earth was flat, and indeed, it wasn't. Hello guys, I'm your host, Brandon Abana Perez, and welcome to the first unofficial episode of The One P in a Podcast. Ergo, The One P, that being me, where I will be talking about anything and everything that comes to my mind. As well as the first unofficial episode to our first unofficial series, Conspiracy Consultations, where we'll be talking about a variety of conspiracy theories and explaining exactly what they are. And today's unlucky topic is, of course, the International Flat Earth Research Society. While not exactly a conspiracy theory, its founding and basis was based upon one. So, in order to dive into the society, we must first talk about the conspiracy theory itself and its up-and-comings. The modern Flat Earth, Earth theory started around the late 1800s, where English writer Samuel Revolfum published a pamphlet called Synthetic Astronomy, the very same book that was given to Shenton under his pseudonym, Parallax. He published it after deriving conclusions from the Bedford experiment, an experiment that would measure the curvature of the Earth. In that pamphlet, he explained his theory, while limited, was expanded upon his follow-up book, Earth Not a Globe, where he explained that the Earth was a flat disk centered at the North Pole and was surrounded by a wall of ice, presumably Antarctica. He also stated that the Sun and Moon were 3,000 miles above the Earth, and that the cosmos themselves was 3,100 miles above it. Even when it's so far as to make a book tell the inconsistency of modern astronomy and its opposition to the scriptures, where he stated, Bible, alongside our senses, supported the idea that the earth was flat and immovable, and this essential truth should not be set aside for a system based solely on human conjecture. With this, he gained traction and followers and gained success using pseudoscience and public debates with leading scientists such as Alfred Russell Wallace. He eventually made a sex society in England and in New York, shipping out over a dozen copies of sex astronomy. After his death, Lady Elizabeth Bloom established a universal sex society as a to the old sex society. The society then published a magazine, The Earth Not a Globe Review, and remained active well into the early, early 20th century. Lady Bloom then edited a flat earth journal, Earth, a monthly magazine, of sense science was published between 1901 and 1904 the lady herself of course being the prominent friend of archbishop stevens shenton would of course find the synthetic astronomy book and went on to create his own cosmology model based partly on his interpretation of genesis that the earth was a flat disk centered on the north pole with the synthetic notion of the south pole 
being an impenetrable vice. This marked the edge of the earth, where beyond it was the endless flat plain forming the universe. The sun was casted as a narrow flashlight-like beam, moving over the table as it traced flat circles that spawned over the 365-day cycles. The sun was 32 miles in diameter, 3,000 miles above the earth, and the moon was also 32 miles in diameter, but only 2,550 miles above the earth. In 1956, he officially founded the Flat Earth Society as a direct descendant of the Universal Statistics Society. Although with less emphasis on religion due to Shenzhen's interest in an alternative science and technology. He eventually found a president in William Mills, a relative of one of Lady Bloom's followers, and held its first inaugural meeting in November at Mills' home in London, with Shenzhen as secretary. Patrick Moore, the sky at night astronomer and tenant of curiosity, recounted his experience in his book Can You Speak Venusian, which would prove to be much more valuable to Shenzhen later. Shenzhen proved to be a popular speaker among small groups, particularly enjoying talking to children, never declining an invitation, adding, Visual images, where they were globes, photographs, or television pictures, were clearly critical to how people perceived the earth shape. The preschool children could know that it was round, even if they had no grasp of the words mathematics, geography, astronomy, and science. As a man space flight started in 1961, Chesney began to attract international media attention with his denials. Telling the Coscon Tribune on May 10th that the astronauts could never travel into orbit. When John Glenn orbited the world, he was sent an IFERS membership with the message, Okay, wise guy added to it. Shitson continued to lecture largely at his own expense, but he suffered two strokes in 1963. In January 1964, the New York Times shared a piece of it, the IFERS. During a parliamentary debate, Enoch Powell related to his opponents to flat earthers, and Harold Wilson reportedly slung back the insulin turn. Chesney was outraged and wrote letters of complaint. Then, in 1965, the Gemini 4 mission began, which marked a change of face for Chesney's campaign. From then on, he was receiving letters from all over the world. In 1966, he produced a pamphlet, The Plain Truth, in which it included circular informing members' remarks saying, that in modern astronomy and spaceflight were insults to God and divine punishment for human sky and arrogance was a mere matter of time. But by the time the Lunar Orbiter program was started, led to a sharp decline in membership within the society. In December 1968, during the Apollo 8 mission, Chenton admitted, if they show us a very clear picture of the Earth from space and the picture does not show all the continents and the edge of the picture is out of perspective, then that will prove that the Earth is round. Until then, we shall continue fighting to prove the Earth is flat. A month later, Shenzhen started deception conspiracy. Asked about Apollo 8 sending images of round Earth, he said, That's where those Americans and Russians are so damn cunning. For some reason or other, they obviously want us to think that the world is round. Some of the pictures have been blatantly doctored. See your shots, probably. When satellite images showed Earth as a sphere, Shenzhen remarked, It's easy to see how a photograph like that could fool the untrained eye. Later asked about a similar photograph taken by astronauts, he attributed curvature to the use of wide-angle lens, adding, It's a deception to the public, and it isn't right. Following Apollo 11, he added, The astronauts are hypnotized to believing they go into space. Even with their training, those chaps wouldn't have the nerve to be fired off in the top of an explosive, a rocket, and the live observations they bring back is knowledgeable. By 1968, his health had further deteriorated and his sign-writing business had collapsed, although the attention he got from the media continued. 
Regardless, after everything that had happened, he stuck to his principles of detecting inquiry in which only personally acquired facts were possible. In January 1969, IFERS had dropped to 100 members worldwide, but his organization, but as his organization was dying, he found the successor he had been looking for, Ellis Hillman, a lecturer and member of the Greater London Council. He agreed to be president of the IFERS with the encouragement of Patrick Moore. Although Lillian Shenton was suspicious of his motives, because by the time he was developing a postgraduate course in the development of ideas about the shape of the earth, and in the event he did very little for the society. Jensen also proclaimed to persuade Ellis Hillman a few months later, as he was the Polytechnic of East London lecturer to become president of the Flat Earth Society, but there is little evidence of any activity on his part. It was then that 18 months later, Jensen had died to, due to his poor health condition. It was then that the Ellis Hillman added most of the Jensen's library to the archives of the Science Fiction Foundation he helped to establish leaving behind a legacy that would impact the rest of the world today. Now, what's the most important thing to talk about regarding all of this is as to why even people joined the society in the first place, and to explain why, we must look at the psychology of it all. To sum it all up, there are at least three main psychological concepts behind conspiracy theories, those being confirmation bias, belief, perseverance, and the Dunning-Kruger effect. With those three concepts come three key factors, being epistemic, existential, and social motivations. Confirmation bias is the favoring information that confirms your own biases and beliefs. As such, people who came into the society sought to look after information to pertain to their own opinions, but to their relief, they greatly found it, albeit very wrong information. Belief perseverance is the tendency to hold on to your beliefs even if evidence says otherwise. In this case, People in this society stick to their core even core values, even though actual evidence contradicts the theory that the Earth is flat. And finally, the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you believe that you are smarter and better than everyone else. The society holds the flat Earth theory to such a high degree that it will make the people within it boast highly about the knowledge that they hold, thinking that they are superior for knowing something that we don't. Like I said before, these concepts are followed by three key factors. Epistemic motivation is the desire for more information and certainty. People's main motive when entering the society is to learn more about the world around them. They usually come in out of curiosity and as such get pulled into the society's abundant knowledge. Existential motivation is the need to feel safe and secure in the world. Another reason as to why people join the society in the first place is that they feel frightened by the world around them. They don't understand it, so they use use the theories that the society has developed for them so they can find a sort of comfort in that and in doing so made it want to be part of the society even longer. Finally, social motivation. They desire to feel good about themselves and the groups that they belong to. Some people in the society sought to feel valued in their ideals and as such came to society where they wouldn't feel alone and have a sense of community who would share their same beliefs and as well confirm as what they already had known. Even though Shenton died in 1971, Charles K. Johnson inherited part of Shenton's library from Shenton's wife and established and became president of the International Flat Earth Student Research Society of America and Covenant People's Church in California. He would then grow the Flat Earth Society over the next three decades to a reported 3,500 members under his leadership. Johnson would issue many publications and handled all membership applications throughout those three decades. The most famous publication was Flat Earth News, a quarterly four-page tabloid 
Just to pay for these publications for your annual member, dues costing $6 to even $10 over the course of his leadership. Justin cited the Bible for his beliefs. He saw scientists as a pulling hoax which would replace the religion with science. The Flat Earth Society's most recent planet model is that humanity lives on a disk with the North Pole at its, at its center and a 150 foot high 46 meters wall of ice, Antarctica at the outer edge. The resulting map resembles the symbol of the United States, which Johnson used as evidence for his position. In this model, the sun and moon are each 32 miles 51 kilometers in diameter. The Flat Earth Research Society recorded members by speaking against the U.S. government and all its agencies, particularly NASA. Much of the society's literature in its early days focused on interpreting the Bible to mean that the Earth is flat, although they did not try to offer scientific explanations and evidence. Eugene Scott called the group an example of extreme biblical nearlist theology. The Earth is flat because the Bible says it is flat, regardless of what science tells us. According to Charles K. Johnson, the membership of the group rose to 3,500 members under his leadership, but began to decline after a fire at his house in 1997, which destroyed all his records and contacts of the society's members. Johnson's wife, who helped manage the membership database, died shortly thereafter. Johnson himself died on 19 March 2001. Even still, this is going to be the end for the society, as fate would have it. Only three years later, in 2004, Daniel Shenton, not related to Samuel, would resurrect the now-defunct Flat Earth Society, basing it around a web-based discussion forum. This eventually led to the official relaunch of the society in October 2009 and the creation of a new website featuring a public collection of the Flat Earth literature and a wiki. Moreover, the society began accepting new members for the first time since 2001, with musician Thomas Dolby becoming the first to join the newly recovered society. As of July 2017, over 500 people have become members. In 2013, part of the society broke away to form a new web-based group also for featuring forum and wiki. From then on, this relaunch will prob most probably make up what the IFERS is known as today. Without Samuel Shenton, we probably wouldn't have been in a situation in the first place. All in all, there's one thing that we can learn from this is how people can get so roped up in these wild and outlandish ideas, especially types of people who would seek guidance and solitude within the society that shares this type of belief. What's even more wild is that this is still happening today. The amount of conspiracy theories has been a lot more prevalent than it has been in the past. It is due in large part to the more ways people can transmit and pass information, whether that be through word of mouth or just be creating a simple platform. Conspiracy theories today are rampant, especially in social media, and that's why they are so dangerous. Since now what was only a very unleashed view of the world they live in has turned into a lifestyle for some people. People are, are heavily influenced by these theories that greatly affects their judgment and their decision making, leading people to make quick decisions based off their perceived lack of knowledge and resulting in very extreme and even harmful actions. Only if we take a moment to know exactly where the information comes from, the less we are misinformed. We must always be weary and vigilant as to where this information comes from. Not only that, but if we conduct our own research based on our own reasoning, rather than finding misinformation online, then we'll be better off in the future. Whether that be from checking where the sources come from or the way the information is being transmitted. You always got to be careful where you're getting your information from. Until next time, guys, I've been your 1P in a podcast.